0: All right, we're back. We are back. Indeed. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot going on the um, past few weeks. Um, actually, probably too much to talk about, but um, there's been stuff up my alley happening, so maybe we should talk about that, the stuff in
1: France. 100%. When, when do, do the do the French government and police give you this gift of oh my god I might be the expert on this thing that's all over the news so I feel like yeah. we should definitely talk about it because I don't really know a whole lot about it so I'm, I'm interested in learning
0: all right let's do it
1: this is no politics at the dinner table I'm Tony Biancasino
0: And I'm Amit Prakash. This week we're talking about the police in France and more specifically Paris and their relationship to immigrant people and neighborhoods and the nature of police violence over there. All right. Um, So. Just as a recap, I think most people know something about this, what happened last week. Um, last Tuesday, a 17-year-old boy um, was pulled over by the French cops um, to do an ID check. Um, and in France, ever since they instituted the, uh, the national identity card, they call it, um, in like the late 40s, Uh, early 50s um, that became the pretext for cops to stop you at any time and be like let me see your papers right so that unlike in America where they can't they they can stop you if they think you're maybe gonna commit a crime or something like that um, or if they have a tip or something like that in in France they can just say show me your ID right so so that's that's a big difference and that gives them a lot of latitude on to decide who are, they going to, who are they going to stop, right? They're not going to stop everybody. They stop often very particular people in very particular neighborhoods. Um, and so this kid, uh, Nahel Mirzouk, um, who was of Moroccan and Algerian descent, but it was, you know, French, right? Like he's, you know, born in France, raised in France, went to school in France, all those things. Um, But you know, he's a visible minority in France, right? He looks different. He's got tan skin and etc he's pulled over and um, Like the cops often do as we know this in America the first story that comes out about what happened um, Was a lie like a straight-up lie that he tried to ram them with the car and then therefore they shot Um, another like little thing for like the more contemporary stuff is in 2017 the French passed a law allowing the French police to use their weapons um, and use deadly force in traffic stops with greater ease when they thought either the person was going to flee and hurt somebody or hurt themselves or hurt the cops themselves, right? So, um, you know, are they gonna go commit suicide? Or are they gonna ram into a bus? Or are they gonna try to run over the cops? You're allowed to pull out your gun and, and, and shoot. In this case, the guy hadn't even pulled away, um, and the cops already had, one of the cops already had the gun drawn, and then just fired a single shot. And you can hear him scream, I'm gonna put a bullet in your head, um, right when they pull up to him. All right. So um, thankfully, he's under arrest, he's in prison, he's not been allowed out of prison actually, um, for what they call voluntary homicide over there, but it erupted in these riots protests, um, that ended up, you know, torching, like something like 150 mayor's offices and schools and libraries and basically public institutions in France, which are like the representation of the state that they're trying to like attack. Right. Um, died down now, you know, there's a big funeral, uh, this past weekend. Um, but this is something that's been going on for a long time. Um, so, uh, I happen to know a thing or two about this. So <laughs> if you have any questions, um, have at it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually just think, you know, obviously I've read your book, so maybe it would be interesting if you kind of just talk about the history, a little bit of the relationship specifically between, um, the French police and the minorities, um, specifically the ones in your book. Yeah. Um, okay.
0: How much time we got? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> we, th- a couple ways to go through this is that one, if we look at like the origins of the police themselves, um, they're effectively an organization and a state institution that has been created to protect property. That's their that's their number one um mission and their origin story is about that. Uh, it, so they kind of grow up with industrial capitalism and there's a sort of capitalist class uh, desire to protect property from now newly um unemployed agricultural workers who are now coming to the cities and become quote unquote, the mob and all that kind of stuff. So like, there's like, okay, we have to create this order, right? It's a very particular order is an order in service of certain people and not others. And that's their origins. Right. And so over time, so let's say this, like the police, their number one thing has been effectively the policing of poverty broadly, right? Like that's, that's what they, they do. They police the poor. Um, But then over time, there's other layers of let's call it like discrimination in a very literal sense of like saying, I'm going to discriminate between these two people. And I think these the the people to the right are more suspect. Um, And there can be many reasons for that. And there's different like historical circumstances. So, for instance, very infamously uh, during World War Two. Uh, the French police, and particularly the the Prefecture Police of Paris, which is what I've studied pretty deeply, um, they worked um, with the Nazis and actually jumped the gun and did more than the Nazis even asked in terms of rounding up Jews and identifying them, sending them to camps who, and most of them, ended up in Auschwitz. Right, so um, you know, depending on the political winds that blow, that was a political order that built-in anti-semitism right so um what did the police do they enforced that order right Um, they're still doing their policing of poverty and stuff like that on top of that with the case of let's call it visible minorities right because i think every nation has their minorities um the minute you produce a nation you're saying who's in and who's out and it's never absolutely uh um, exact once you draw a border that everybody's the same right so the minute you know nationalism produces its minorities um, the, the fact that they become racial minorities is a different thing right they, they become racialized and that's, that's because of colonialism is, is like the easy answer um, simple answer with a, a lot of details if you want them um, but with the French you know they're in Algeria they're basically in North Africa and then they take over West Africa they're in Indochina Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Madagascar, all around the world in the in the Caribbean and so on, but in the nineteen teens, um, basically during World War One, they either forced or enticed hundreds of thousands of North African men to either be labor conscripts or soldiers for the French Army in World War One, and that's when you get the first mass kind of migration. Um, uh, it's by virtue of being of war, really, that they end up in France. They fought, they're fighting in France and so on. Um, and by the way, they're basically used as cannon fodder. They're kind of, they're kind of used like how the um, uh, Wagner uses their prison conscripts, you know, like as meat, you know, like that, that's effectively how they were used. Um, so, but, you know, when you do that, when you bring over hundreds of thousands of people to war, guess what? They stay right? Like this is the one thing that human beings do. They move, they fall in love, they start families, they, you know, they, they, so they started staying and right away, this is the interesting thing by 1925, there was such a worry and concern and let's call it like a moral panic around the existence of North Africans in the city of Paris that, uh, there were calls in the Paris Municipal Council to create a special police brigade that only policed North Africans, uh, and they did it right. So they did it. So you know, one of the, this is the, this is the thing that I found fascinating when I was researching this was like the French are was like, man, you Americans are the racists, right? You guys had, you know, the South and slavery and Jim Crow, and it was in your laws, and you know, you you guys recognize race in your census, we don't. Um, It's, you know, it's really a British and, you know, it's an Anglo-American thing, right? But here, like in the heart of Paris, the capital of the country, but also importantly, the capital of the empire, they are creating a brigade that only deals with North Africans, right? It's very explicit, right? It'd be the equivalent of being like, let's create the Mexican brigade here right? Or let's create the Black Brigade, right? Now they already, <laughs> they effectively do that without saying it, right? But here they were just like, we're going to be, you know, out and proud about it. And so they wow. did that um, for years. And um, I can get into like all of like the, the gory details, but, but the long story short is for a basically about half a century, um, there was consistently some form of North African brigade in the Paris police. There was all these different permutations of their names, and you know some of their missions. But it was basically the same. We're going to police mostly poor people. Now they also happen to be racialized minorities from our colonial holdings, and we are going to map the city to see you know where they live. Um, one of the things that all police departments do is cr- sort of like create a census of the city. That's their own internal vision of what the city is and then police it accordingly but that's like shot through with all their ideology so you know these neighborhoods are like these are the bad quote unquote bad neighborhoods and you know we need to be more forceful there and and the thing with the brigade was that you know usually other um, parts of the parisian police would um have a sort of chain of command where they there were different gradations to it. Like, you know, there'd be like a commanding officer and then like maybe another captain and then there's like a division commander, that sort of thing, right? Very militarized. Um, The North African Brigade reported directly to the top, right, so they had a lot of like, let's call it operational flexibility. They could do kind of what they wanted because they really only had answer to the top person, um, which is the prefect of the police. And so as a result, you know, rough treatment of, of North Africans was par for the course, raiding them, harassing them, shaking them down for money, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of corruption built into this, because if you give people that much power um, with almost very little accountability, you know, bad things are going to happen. Um, so, you know, from the from the jump, People hated this brigade, right? It, it wasn't like, oh, after time, people like learned to like not like the North African brigade and the like. No, right away there were protests for this. So this is a thing that's been going on. I'm talking about 1925. We're in 2023. This is like basically 100 years, right? Um, and uh, and I'm not saying that it's been exactly the same that throughout that hundred years, but there's been a, a certain, um, let's call it accent on the policing of North Africans and then later West Africans. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things that I found out is like when I was like finishing my research, like the files in the, in the 1970s, um, you know, and like most, most of official French colonialism's over by then. And so the files start changing from like, you know, the Algerian question or, you know, the Moroccan question and the colonies and blah, blah, blah. And they, the files are just under, it's called the black problem. And, um, and that what that means is like, oh, we're having West Africans here now, right? They're supposedly are formerly our French nationals because lots of West Africa was under France, right? But now that they're actually in France, they've already been framed as a problem, right? So, um, yeah, that's a, in a nutshell. That's kind of the the background to what makes this type of thing even possible. Why yeah. this this kind this kid would be pulled over? Um, why this kid? You know, and if you know anything about Paris, if you were in like the Left Bank in the Fifth Arrondissement, um, and you're a white kid uh, who's seventeen, you're pulled over, You're not going to get shot in the face um, right. by the cops right away. It's not going to happen. You probably won't even get pulled over unless you're you're yeah. actually speeding or something. They're not going to pull you over for an identi- identity check. Um, so that's, those are all the sort of planks that need to be in place for this horrific thing to happen.
1: So I obviously, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, you, you will have a piece published in the nation. Um, and I was fortunate enough to read it before <laughs> or it went right, out. Right. right, And there's something that really struck me, which I think is important to talk about where you say, um, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but you can correct it, but something along the lines where like France doesn't recognize racism or, or something where it's a, it's yeah. a, it's something from the United States that, you know, they don't, they think is just our problem so can you kind of talk about that a little bit i was like that that was the part of your piece that i was like what the fuck
0: (laughs) yeah 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 so there's this french demographer who's great named uh, patrick simon who um uh the white what is he what's the translation um it's the the choice of ignorance i think is the 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 kind of translation of his piece um he wrote this a while ago and basically he's a sociologist and he was saying, look, the French government for a long time has said race doesn't exist. It's a, it's a social construct. It has no um, uh, biological um, f- uh, facticity, right? Like it's not a real thing, right? Um, and therefore, you know, why should we count um, race? We're just integrating an outside concept and grafting it onto French society, and it'll be just like another way to divide French society. And the French are very like into being like, we're universal, we're unified, we're this one thing, right? So like the, the difference is scary to them, right? Like that's, that's, that's certainly the case. Difference is something to be um, assimilated, integrated, and eventually kind of um, sublimated, like you get rid of it. Um, so, you know, his argument was, look, be that as it may, there's a lot of racism in our society. Um, It's very obvious that there are people who look different, who have different names, usually Islamic, um, who have different life chances and life horizons based on that. And we should start creating like social statistics to count that to sort of, you know, quantify how unequal our society is and how prejudiced it was. Um, And the Fr- and and one thing people may not know is that most French professors work at state universities and they're considered, you know, like they're state employees, you know, so they're they're part of the state and effectively. Um, and the French state was like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> right So so like, like outright rejection, the, the main the main rationale being is that. France is on its fifth republic, right? Um, who knows when the sixth one's coming? We don't know. Um, but they have to reinvent their what, constitutional order. Go back into that. Okay, okay. So, you know, way back before the French Revolution, right? There was kings, right? And there was monarchy. Yeah. And then you get the French Revolution, you get the First Republic, Gotcha, but then that's gotcha, overthrown and you get the first empire with Napoleon and then you get the second empire with Napoleon the third. And then in between that, you get a second Republic and then you have another restoration and, um, and then you get the third Republic and then the Algerian war collapses the fourth Republic. Uh, or yeah, the third Republic is ended by the Nazis. The Algerian war ends the, uh, the fourth Republic and then you get the fifth Republic. Yeah. And that's been going since like 58. Um, so, so there's a
1: rewrite of the Constitution each time rewrite each
0: of the time. Constitution rewrite of the political and social order got it right um, and there might be some virtues to that right like 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 we are the other extreme is like we you know there's like this view that the 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 Constitution is like this sacred document and to ever touch it is like you know blasphemy right. um, but the flip side is like the French to a certain degree have, real, not just imagined concerns about holding things together. Right. Um, and, um, and they see difference as the thing that, um, can infiltrate society and create these fissures between people and there's no longer unity and who knows, we'll have to have another Republic to like, like rehash this. Right. So like that, that's the, that's the like creeping lingering fear that's always there. Um, so race is seen as something outside of french society french history it's something that you know the americans did quite well um the the english uh slave trade obviously but you know one of the things that i say in the piece is that this is like a very convenient forgetting of french history because the french were also Um, great slave traders, racialized slave traders. Um, At one point in in modern history in the 1780s, 1770s to the 1780s, the most um, valuable piece of land uh, in the world at that moment was Saint-Domingue, which was held by the French and it was a slave colony. It was and it, you know, Saint-Domingue became Haiti, right? There's a revolution there and there was a Haitian revolution that became Haiti. Um, and, you know, which is like a, a wonderful, amazing story unto itself. But but, um, that was all about <laughs> racial slavery right? and it was brutal. I mean, just, just to give you an indication, slaves that were brought from Africa to um, Saint-Domingue had a one to three year lifespan Jeez. while they were brought there because they were worked to death because the idea was it's just much cheaper to work them to death and import more than you know feed them and treat them you know well and all that kind of stuff, right So so that's what we're talking about here, right There's also you know during for instance, the the French occupation of Algeria when it becomes their, one of their colonies and actually they try to you know they legally integrated into France, they have something called Arab taxes, right? If you're an Arab, you pay these extra taxes, right? Like that's completely racialized. It's just completely racialized. Um, They had something called the Black Code, which uh, regulated slavery for black people um, that started with Louis XIV, right? So there's a long, rich tradition of the French um, using race um, and being racist, institutionally racist, uh, for a long time, but they 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 want to forget that, right? Like that's that's too divisive. Um, you know, one, there was a group of psychologists or psychiatrists who wrote into Le Monde uh, a little while ago when there was an argument raging in France about like the quote unquote introduction of American social science theories that talked about race and gender and you know post colonialism and stuff like that, and they called this the narcissism of small differences. And, and basically, they're saying that, oh, this is just people like navel-gazing, saying, oh, I'm this color and you're that color and therefore we're so different, forgetting our common humanity and stuff like that. Okay, that sounds very nice, but the actual social reality and social structures in the country um, advance that type of thinking already. Um, and they do it um, unconsciously and they do it sometimes sort of invisibly, um, but the outcomes are quite clear right? Like, so like, maybe you don't use the word race, but your society is functionally racist, right? So um, that's, that's been the big problem that I think it's, I'm hoping actually, you know, there's a, there's a growing cohort of younger politicians, academics, um, activists in France who are people of color, you know, people who are basically post-colonial immigrants or, or descended from them. They're from West Africa. They're from North Africa, et cetera, um, or their parents or grandparents were. And they're trying to sort of get this in the conversation, right? Like, that, this is a thing, right? I mean, that—that that, I think that's, like, the, the number one problem is that French officialdom is, does not wanna recognize it as a thing in their society. Like this is, no, this is foreign. This is a foreign import, right? These are like foreign wreckers coming in to like destroy our right. society by, by putting these nasty thoughts in people's heads, you know, forgetting that we're all French and blah, 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 right? But um, some people are more French than others.
1: Um, so what do you think is the outcome of this? Like, is, is it kind of like it is here in the United States where you'll get some politicians that are like championing change and, you know, radically wanting to change the police force or business as usual when the dust settles and
0: we yeah, stop protesting? It's, a, it's it's a very uh, dicey situation in France right now because one of the things I studied before getting into, you know, like racialized policing and stuff like that, was just kind of like French politics and immigration politics. And uh, then the National Front, um, which is which was formed in the 1970s out of basically like former skinheads and stuff like that, who, and led by this guy, uh, Jean-Marie Le Pen, who was one of like the longest lasting political survivors in French history, really. I mean, he started his career in the 1950s. Um, And so he, he, you know, he created this and this is a guy just, you know, as an aside, he got um, fined for selling in the, in the 1960s, selling um, vinyl of Hitler speeches. Okay. So this is, this is, this is the mentality of, of this organization. And when they, they started out, they took like the skinheads and they put these guys in suits and made them look kind of respectable. And that's what, that was like, John Marie Le Pen's great political insight is that we can't look like skinhead Nazis. We have to be, you know, suited and booted and looking good and looking like normal politicians. Um, And for decades, or at least, you know, a decade or two, they were in the political wilderness. Now they're the number two party in France. His daughter. So his daughter, Marine Le Pen, is the head of it. and, And she's done him one better Because he's kind of like, you know, as he aged, and he's like very old now. He's like pushing, I think maybe pushing 100. Um, That he's been like openly anti-Semitic and things like that. And she also knows that, look, you're supposed to dog whistle this stuff. You're not supposed to say it out loud. right? So she booted him out of the party, right? The party that he founded. And now she's the head of the party. And so she's very um, skilled at using language that is vague, but winks and nods to all the right prejudices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what Macron is up against, right? So Macron is up against, and he's, you know, he's a centrist effectively. Um, um, but what the political, kind of like the Republicans here, like the, the Front National, um, who've now changed their name, but I'll just call them the, the Front National, because um, that's who they really are. Um, they're, setting this, they're setting the terms of the conversation, right? So like everything they've said about immigration since the 1970s, 1980s has now become effectively policy. Um, the, the sort of the being tough on the borders and uh, more identity checks and all that kind of stuff and you know, keeping French jobs for the act true French and all that kind of, that, that has become integrated into the mainstream discourse. Um, where it used to be the lunatic fringe, right? Um, In the same way that, you know, like 20 years ago, Marjorie Taylor Greene would not have been a thing. And now she's like one of the most prominent Republicans, right? Um, So that's, that's what he's up against. And so I understand his political predicament, right? Because say what you want, he's better than them. Right, that's for sure. Absolutely, right? they're they're like they're like straight up fascists, right? They're fascists in suits rather than in you know jack boots, um, and so. But he's also got to deal with the fact that they have a huge constituency, mm. so he's got to be tough on crime. He's got to be he's got to say all those things. Um, he's can't alienate all these people who are anti-immigrant and stuff like that, but then he also can't alienate. Part of parts of the left that he also needs as part of his coalition by being like overtly racist and saying that you know we need to get tough on just these neighborhoods these guys are bad and stuff like that like Sarkozy did before him, um, so that's his predicament. So in my view, I think it's probably going to be more of the same. You know, you you probably remember in two thousand five there were even bigger riots Mm -hmm. that lasted about a month and you know. Um, they declared a state of emergency, uh, which they hadn't done since the Algerian War. Um, and, uh, and then in the 80s, there were also a number of riots. <laughs> in the 70s, there were a number of riots. So, so there's, there's a, uh, a long, let's call it a long tradition of um, French state violence being targeted on these communities and being met with counter-violence. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. that's, and and in in that way, you can maybe like compare it to, let's say, the American policing of Watts or something like that, right? You know, like the Watts riots of the 60s and then the Rodney King riots uh, in in Watts, you know, Mm -hmm. like in periodically, um, there's this um, police vice that's on the community and then um, a spectacular moment of police violence sets something off, Yeah. right? um so unless there's like you know i think you know the only way um you can kind of like face the problem um is to you know actually talk about what what what's happening and is that as much as you may not like the idea of race and and god knows the world history would have been very different had that category not been you know integrated into thinking um, you know, we would have a very different world. But the fact is that this is a global concept, right? That And and because France was also a global power at one point, um, it also integrated um, these ways of thinking and, and and particularly these ways of discrimination into their society. Like, it wasn't just like out there, it's like in French society. It's like, it's one thing It's like, okay, okay, we had slavery, but that was in Haiti, it wasn't like in France. But like, mm. yeah, but the, the, the thinking, right? the thinking is crafted in France right like they didn't go to Haiti and write the black code they wrote the black code in France <laughs> you yeah, know like yeah. so um that has to be reckoned with right and if you don't do that then you know 10 years maybe in a week you never know when police violence is going to crop up right? right so you know you know so whenever that happens again um i think we'll be unfortunately back for another round of this and again unless there is some sort of
1: real national reckoning it's interesting because when we talk about um this country so many of the well-off people mainly white um they kind of accept police violence because crime is so high especially in cities philadelphia baltimore san francisco Um, and it's always this justification that like of course you need to support the cops. You need more cops. You need crime. Um, and I always kind of associate or equate the crime problem with the gun problem we have here, right? Like the, the, the two are married. You can't, you yeah. can't fix one without fixing the other. But I'm wondering in, in France specifically where, citizens are not armed. Like they are here. Yeah, what kind not. of crime are we talking about? And like, what's the comparison to a place like the United States? You know, obviously yeah, we have so, a lot more murders by gun violence here, but absolutely. what, what is the, um, what's the big problem there? And, and part of that question is, is it the same scenario where it's the well-to-do people wanting the crime places to be policed heavily?
0: Yeah. Um, on your last point, yes um that's it's usually the case pretty universal i think right yeah it's (laughs) but and here's but here's also the thing right so it is the case that and and you go to poor societies around the world and you're going to see this that that there is a coincidence of poverty and crime Mm -hmm. uh because um people can't make ends meet and crime becomes a way to do that and because certain practices are criminalized, they go underground, and there's all these stakes involved in getting caught, and then things become violent. Right? Um, and so, like other societies, you know, it's not as if there are not drug gangs um, in these immigrant neighborhoods, poor, very poor immigrant neighborhoods. Um, it's not as if uh, there aren't shootings every now and then, uh, between, usually between these gangs right over turf and stuff like that like like again like you can go around the world and tell that story right um but um what's i think unique for the again for like the french official mind like how they see this is that they see the possible and the actual alienation of the youth of these neighborhoods as being dangerous on two fronts. One is that they'll become, you know, like lifelong criminals, right? Like, and they'll, you know, they'll they'll get rough, right? You know, like they'll they'll become a certain type of person, right? And a certain life trajectory, which you know nobody really wants, right? Um, you don't want it for them, and you certainly don't want to confront them on a dark alley either, right? So, like, there, there's that. Um, the second part is that there's a worry that this alienation will be then lashed to the fact that they're Muslim um, and that they will drift towards jihadism and terrorism. Um, and uh, that, so that's the other sort of underlying um, right. fear in France. Um, and, and one way to sort of think about it is that the French have kind of racialized Islam Right, that in the same way that, that the Nazis and the French uh, racialized uh, Judaism, right, like that the like Jews become a race, not a religion, which we've um, done here with Islam.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: many, yeah, that that's that's you know a, a global phenomenon for sure, um, but with the with Islam, it's functionally kind of like race. Right, because like if you're Muslim, there's already all of these presuppositions put on you, like oh, you must be this way, right? You must, um, by 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 virtue of being Muslim, you're already antagonistic towards you know f- the French Republic because you take you know God first and you know all, all this kind of stuff, right? There, uh, secularism isn't for you and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a um, um, an assertion effectively. That to be Muslim is to be kind of irrevocably different um, from the average French person. Marry that with poverty and a criminal context or a potential criminal context, and you've got this like great fear of these neighborhoods, which then fuels the desire, like, okay, well, let's send in riot police every now and then, right? And like uh, shake things up and show them who's boss. Um, you know, one of the things that Macron said just recently, you know, um, after this, and after saying, you know, it's a terrible thing, that this kid got killed. And you know, it seems like did not follow procedure. And you know, he, this, this cop should be, you know, incarcerated and stuff like that. Okay, fine. Uh, but he also said that we need to um, remember that everyone, and particularly people in these neighborhoods who have been writing and so on need to fear the Republic. Right. They, need, they need to fear um, the force of, of, of the Republic. And guess what? Um, you didn't need the riots for that. They were they, like the Republic in terms of its police force was already you know, um, delivering fear on the daily um, uh, in these neighborhoods and for, for decades, Right, for a long time. Um, so this is like this, this dance. I think it's gotten a little bit better Um, at least in terms of the rhetoric, but the policies have not shifted. If anything, they've shifted in the direction of being more deferential to police power. Um, Even since George Floyd, in the same way in this country, right? Like there was that, that one moment of reckoning, which produced a global reckoning of the nature of police power, it's racism and stuff like that. And then and then there was the backlash, right? And 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 yeah, the, the exact opposite of what people were calling for happened. So we'll see. Um, I also like to say I'm a historian. Um, I uh, look at the past and find it hard enough to understand. I'm not a futurist, so I, I'm 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 loath to make uh, you know predictions. Of course. Um. But but if you know patterns indicate anything, um. This will probably happen again, but for a major intervention in the discourse of um, of, about difference and living with difference in France.
1: I think that's a good place to end. I think there's a a really good book out there that you might want to plug if you want to understand the... <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, you know, um, I'm hoping people um, will read my book. Um, it's called Empire on the Seine, The Policing of North Africans in Paris from 1925 to 75. It's published by Oxford University Press. Um, I'm going to have this piece out in the nation. Um, Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Well, you know, today, tomorrow. yeah, today, yeah, this, this is going to be released on Friday. The peace in the nation's coming out on Friday, but we're recording on Thursday. Um, so, um, read the peace in the nation, please, uh, send it around to all your friends. Um, and if you can, uh, read the book, you know, uh, eventually my, my aim is like to get enough people to read the book. So they, they make it a paperback and make it more affordable. So, um, that's, that's the end game here. But, um, yeah. And also if you have any questions about this, um, hit me up. Right. Um, I'm, I'm easily reachable through our, our uh, pod website. And then also uh, where I teach at Middlebury. So
1: great. Let's, uh, pay attention to it and see how it unfolds. But, um, yeah, yeah man, it's as uh, <laughs> when I saw it in the news, unfortunately, I was like, well, we're not going to need a guest for this one. Um, okay. No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Amit Prakash. Um, A lot of our cool tunes by G. Baderoy and our theme song by Alex Tepper. Um, As always, go to our website to hear past episodes, ask us questions, um, get some good book and music recommendations. And, um, you know, as as the election in the United States starts to take shape, we will... um, be back at it a bit more now. Ahmed and I are both home at our, at our homes and uh, have That's a bit right. more time, so we'll start being a little bit more uh, consistent. That's right. Alright, see you next week.